on this episode of Hit the Deck. Up in Minnesota, a goalie coach is bringing new meaning to the term pad save. Geiger is over there on the bench. He's got an iPad and he uses it to chart every save, goal, wide shot, and puck handled by the goalies. They get all of this data on how the shots and the plays unfold. And a Zamboni driver cleans up the crease, but he rarely has to defend it. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. We're talking about David Ayers, and specifically how he, the Zamboni driver, wound up jumping into goal as an emergency goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 164 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And oh boy, we've got a show for you today. It is hockey centric as I mean, we try to make all of our shows hockey centric, but this one in particular is uh, near and dear to my heart, or at least my chest guard. You will... (laughs) You'll understand if you don't already, if you haven't already picked up on it, you'll get it soon enough. But before you get it, what you need to get is who's talking at you right now. And I would be happy to oblige you with that information by jumping straight into tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And of course, my intrepid co-host... On defense, number four, I'm James Ajazi. How you doing, pal? I'm pretty tired, but for good reason, because we had a heck of a week, uh, hockey-wise anyway. So a Mm. lot of celebrations, a lot of great hockey games being played in the NHL, a lot of special anniversaries, but uh, how you been? Sure. Uh, I'm fired up. I'm, I'm, I'm all fired up and, and raring to go, but, uh, I'll let you talk before I jump into that. Cause that's going to take us off on a little bit of a tangent. So please continue to tell us, uh, about your week. Okay. Yeah. Real quick. Again, we talked about the anniversary of the 1980 miracle men's hockey team and, uh, really enjoyed all the special events that went around on the NHL network on ESPN and ABC, NBC network. Uh, it was really, really cool to see the players again. And uh, there was one great piece that ESPN did where they had Ruzioni and Craig and um, another player, so his name escapes me at, at the moment, I apologize, but they sat down and watched the game versus the Russians together for basically the first time since they played in it. And uh, it was pretty amazing to hear what they were talking about, and especially Craig, because the goalie, and, and again, as uh, the American writer alluded to, this podcast is going to be goalie specific, but it just goes to show you how important you guys are and uh, how a shutdown goalie really makes the difference. And that's what Jim Craig was for the 1980 team. Again, we said that we kind of resent the miracle, quote unquote, a little bit, because that just implies that, how did that happen? You know, they didn't earn it because those guys definitely did, especially Coach Brooks as well. But the statistics were just amazing. I didn't realize how great Craig was altogether, especially in the third period. He was just shut down and uh, versus the Russians, which nobody was able to do that. So that was amazing. So watching all of those replays and, and seeing the, the players again uh, was a lot of fun. And then in the NHL, there was a great, great classic, instant classic Rangers-Islanders game that just passed by. And the uh, NHL playoffs are looming. You know, we're going into the month of March and that's crunch time for the NHL. So that was just an instant classic. It was back in Long Island. 
the whatever they're calling the uh, Uniondale Arena now, uh, NYBC what? I don't know, something or, or other at uh... Uh, NYCB <laughs> live yeah. at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, I think. That's uh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I was there. And the Islander fans were there in full force, chanting like crazy. The first period, it was, I mean, nonstop action, back and forth. The Islanders ended up tying the game with 18 seconds left, less than 18 seconds left. And then the Rangers won in overtime uh, on a great pass by Panarin to Zibanejad. It was just so much fun to watch. And this is what the NHL is all about. And we have another great story to get to in this podcast about some very special uh, event that happened in the NHL too. So all that. Also, it was the anniversary of. I'm, I'm sorry, Gary. I'll, I'll give you that's give the right. microphone back no, to you no, soon. Please. This is the most you talk on any given podcast, so that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Most I talk. Period. Um, uh, it was the anniversary of uh, Slapshot. The movie Slapshot came out on the 25th of uh, February. Obviously, with the birthdays we mentioned last time, and also it was Johnny Cash's birthday on the 26th. So so much stuff going on, and yeah, I'm a little bit hyped up too. If you haven't picked up on that. And uh, I hope you listened to last week's episode 163 of this podcast. We made it all about the miracle on ice that James just referenced a little earlier. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to toot my own horn, but I think it came together really well. I'm very proud of it. I, I was I told James I was getting choked up just editing it because it's such a powerful thing that we were talking about and something that's so meaningful to me personally. So. I hope you listened to it and enjoyed it. And if you haven't, maybe go back and check it out. Absolutely. Because what this podcast, one of the things about this podcast is obviously it's about deck hockey and ball hockey and hockey and sneakers, but it's about hockey in general and the family and just something that's so near and dear to our hearts. I mean, the American Rhino. And when you're talking about the Olympics and Team USA and all that stuff, men, women, whoever else in all levels. We just got really excited about it, and it's one of the greatest moments in sports history, not just hockey history, but for so many of us Americans, it really put hockey on the map. You know, Wayne Gretzky and the 1980 men's team just uh, lit such a fire in this country in a great way and lifted up the country's spirits, too. It was just so amazing. You can't write that stuff. And we talked about the movie Miracle, too, where Disney and, and Hollywood tend to over dramatize or dramatize things but there was just too much drama already built into that <laughs> they kind of just they fudged a little things here and there or whatever but for the most part it just you couldn't make it up it was absolutely that amazing and it's still it's 40 years later and it feels like it was yesterday it cannot ever get old and i'm sorry it just gets me excited every time good as well it should so how about yourself well, well how was your week oh my week was more or less fine i mean you know it's not the week that's got me going, James. It's today. It's just this very, this very day, mere hours ago, as we record. Uh, James, I got to tell you, I'm angry. I'm annoyed, vexed, flummoxed, flustered, just plain mad. Uh-oh. James, I will tell you what I am mad about. I am mad about wrestling. I am mad about pre-scripted, predetermined, professional wrestling. Oh, geez, what happened? Well, James, let me tell you what happened. Today was the WWE's Super Showdown event in Saudi Arabia. Now, if you are not familiar with this series of events, a couple of years back, the Saudi government offered the WWE many, many millions of dollars to come and make shows for them over the next 10 years. 
And uh, Vince McMahon, being unable to turn down money, decided this would be a fantastic idea. And in the midst of what was essentially a PR nightmare surrounding Saudi Arabia, said, sure, we'll go over there with our all-American rah-rah product and, and uh, we'll, you know, put on a, a, a happy face for your culture and, and for your prince and for your people and make it all look legitimate and great. And that's not what I'm even mad about, because I think everybody's just kind of come to terms with that by this point. It's it's a few years in. This is like the fifth one that they've done over there. That ship has long since sailed. No, I am angered with the actual content of the show, the the outcome of one of the matches. And if you have not yet watched Super Showdown and you do not want to be spoiled, I'm going to recommend you jump ahead about five minutes because I'm going to talk about something that happened that really got my gumption up. And I am going to tell you, James. So, yeah, let's 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 say that. Let's say uh, right about now. Spoilers ahoy. You've been warned. So, James, you are familiar with one Bill Goldberg. Yes. Yes. Bill Goldberg who was a star of the Attitude Era for WCW, World Championship Wrestling, the company formerly owned by Ted Turner, the company that eventually went out of business and the WWE bought. They bought their competition famously. But prior to that, Bill Goldberg was a star on the level of a Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was the guy in that organization for a number of years. And that was all well and good. But then... WWE bought WCW and all the guys with super big guaranteed contracts, they were still being paid by AOL Time Warner. And so they said, well, we could go to work for the WWE and make less money or we could sit at home and collect millions of dollars that we aren't earning. Well, you can guess what most of them decided to do. Goldberg being one of them. Eventually, the WWE brought him in for a short stint of a year, but it didn't work out. He left. He he essentially, I, I don't know, he didn't officially retire, but he just stopped wrestling pretty much at that point. And then uh, fast forward many, many, many years, several years ago, in fact, he suddenly resurfaced. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. He came back for a, a short series of matches, mostly with Brock Lesnar. He won the championship. He lost the championship. He went away. He said mainly his thrust of coming back was to show his son that he was a wrestler because his son had never seen him wrestle. So he wanted to do that. I can respect that. But he uh, he did his short little stint there and then he retired essentially and he went away again. Fast forward another couple of years to I think last year, another one of these Saudi shows. Imagine that he came back for a match with The Undertaker. Yes, that Undertaker. And in fact, he got himself concussed before the match even started by hitting his head so hard on the door of his locker room as he was making his entrance. He knocked himself silly, started bleeding a gusher from his forehead and didn't know where he was during the match. Wound up being an awful match. Undertaker was visibly disgusted about the whole thing. And it was just a huge stain and a black mark on his uh, both of their reputations, really. He then, Goldberg, after that, a little while after that, had a, a short match with Dolph Ziggler at some pay-per-view, and nobody remembers it, really, because nobody cares. It didn't amount to anything. And then he went away again. Until today, when he came back for a match against 
The Fiend. Now, James, if you do not know The Fiend, or listener, if you do not know The Fiend, The Fiend is Bray Wyatt's current character. Bray Wyatt, son of former WWE star IRS. He's not acknowledged as so on the show. He just actually is his biological son. But nevertheless, The Fiend is this character. It's, it's, it's the most popular character on the current product right now it's not even close really he's yeah he he is beloved by the fan base basically the whole deal is there's bray wyatt who's this like creepy mr rogers kind of guy who has his own little quote-unquote children's program called the firefly funhouse uh (laughs) with puppets and silly voices and and funny sound effects and it's and then his alter ego which he wears this really creepy looking mask the fiend and the fiend character is basically impervious to pain and he is uh you know he can take a brutal brutal beating and eventually get up and keep going and and win and he was the champion he had won the universal championship he was the champion in wwe until today when for no reason they brought in Goldberg and had him beat the fiend in Saudi Arabia to break his undefeated streak and take the championship from him. And it just burns my grits, James. I don't blame you. That's really inexcusable. I mean, the WWE is known for that. I mean, personally for me, I'm not nearly the fan that the American Rhino is, but I've grown up watching wrestling and particularly the WWF and WWE. And there are times when the writers come across just to tick everybody off. I don't know if it's just to get buzz or make sure they're not predictable or purposely just get our goats, so to speak. This sounds like one of them. It just doesn't make an ounce of sense. Maybe they were trying to uh, or, or Goldberg was trying to redeem himself or whatever the case is. I don't know. But before we go into anything else, that fiend mask, which yes, it's terrifying. I have seen it. Maybe that could be a future goalie mask for the American Rhino because you're pretty, <laughs> your tolerance for pain is pretty high. <laughs> I, I think too much of my face might be exposed, but it's an idea. I will consider it. Um, but no, honestly, James, the, the rumored reason for this, and there were honestly going into the show, people were fearing that this would happen because of rumors coming out of backstage. Allegedly, the reasoning behind this is that Vince McMahon badly wants a Goldberg versus Roman Reigns match where Roman Reigns will win the championship for WrestleMania. I don't understand his... Again, I'm I'm on the outside looking in, but he just seems to be obsessed, if you will, uh, with Roman Reigns. And and does he feel like he owes Goldberg? I don't understand. No, I don't think so. I think he just... He sees, again, this is just reports from backstage, so Mm. take it with a grain of salt, but supposedly he sees the Roman Reigns-Goldberg match as being a a much bigger attraction uh, than Roman Reigns versus The Fiend. But speaking on behalf of the wrestling fans, doesn't everybody hate Roman Reigns? Well, uh, he's more liked now since he came back from cancer, from his battle with cancer a year ago, which, I mean... Good for him. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, him. the character got pretty uh, obnoxious the way he was being pushed down everybody's throats. And that's not his fault. That's the writers like the man himself. I'm very glad he was able to come back from cancer and God bless. But yeah, he's 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 not universally loved, but he's not as reviled as he once was. 
And as you just said, but, uh, the fiend is the anyway, biggest thing I'm going. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. But WWE is, I don't know, their financial situation is supposedly not as good as they'd like it to be right now. So I think old Vinnie Mac is probably looking for ways to bring in more views to WrestleMania, more buys, more hits, more whatever. That That is a whole other thing yeah. where the, again, I don't want to go off on this too much, but just really quick. It came out in recent weeks. So a couple of weeks ago, Vince McMahon fired the uh, the like basically co-president of the company and chief financial officer. And so the rumors were there were uh, it was due to a disagreement in direction for the company and specifically the WWE Network. And now there are very strong rumors that the WWE is looking to take the pay-per-views, or at least the major ones, possibly all of them, but at least the major ones, like WrestleMania, take them off the network and sell them to some other major streaming service so that people will have to buy that streaming service to get the major pay-per-views. Oh, no. Like, uh, the leading contender right now is uh, ESPN+. Plus. So you'd have to get Disney's ESPN streaming service. Yeah, Disney Plus that 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 doesn't fall under no, the no, umbrella. No, no, not Disney wow. Plus. I wow. have Disney Plus. Yeah, they wouldn't put it on Disney Plus. No, this is a separate ESPN streaming service. Apparently, is... they just did something similar with UFC, and it did huge numbers for Disney. So they may be looking to expand that. Well, I'm glad we're into podcasting because that is just really totally unreasonable and completely out of hand. Mm-hmm. And that's not even mentioning the outrageous prices you have to pay for cable, too. Yeah. Just doesn't... Unbelievable. And you're still getting commercials, by the way, which is the whole point mm. of supposedly when cable first came out, like HBO and, and movie channels, which is great. Watching movies with commercial breaks is just maddening. But, uh, like, speaking of ESPN, they were just double dipping because they would literally get billions, that's, that's with a B, billions of dollars each month just from subscriptions. And then they'd get money from the leagues like the NFL and MLB. And then they'd get money from the sponsors with the commercials. They, they, they were just drowning in money. And still, it's not enough. Unbelievable. We should start our own ball hockey streaming service, James. That's where the money is. <laughs> well, at least I know two buys from it. Hit the deck plus. <laughs> yeah. But if you want street hockey, that, that's, that's a uh, different streaming <laughs> well that that's a different tier you have yeah. to see that we'll we'll offer the package in different tiers james okay <laughs> good thing. so you know the just your basic you know 7.99 a month package that's the lowest tier that'll get you like your empower play ranks though those like league championships maybe some regional championships here and there to spice things up possibly some unattached u.s ball hockey games you know those kind of things scrimmages and whatnot or 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 uh qualifying games then the the next tier up the let's call it 12.99 a month tier you can get uh like international ball hockey like uh you know your your pardubica and your koshitsa and you know you're you're like your czech leagues and uh, across over there you can get your specials on Pacho and, okay. and uh, you know, a very Pacho Christmas. 
You can get that, that <laughs> dubbed. You can actually, that one's a nice one because you can get that either dubbed or subtitled. That uh, <laughs> It's a nice service that they offer. Then for the highest tier, the, you know, the, the $18.99 a month, that you can get street hockey. Like you, you uh. can get your street hockey championships and, and, you know, select scrimmages. And that's the total package. You can also get this podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sold. All right. <laughs> you can even actually there there's, if you join our Patreon, in addition, you, yeah, at the, uh, the, the $50 a month level, you can actually be a guest on the podcast and pick select topics that we cover. Wow. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. We're rolling this thing out, James. All right. You've uh, shown me the light. Thank you, American Rhino. I'm sorry. How did we, we're 20, 20 minutes into this thing and I don't even know what we're talking about. That makes two of us. I'm sorry. This is what happens when I get fired up. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. This is what happens all the time. But especially when I get fired up, I just go off. I just go off and I have no idea what direction I'm going. You need to reel me in, James. You can't just give me this much rope. It, it's hard to stop a charging rhino. So don't yeah, blame me. All right. We should talk about some. Is there anything else that's relevant that we can talk about? Yes, we actually have some topics, official topics. Okay, so why don't we why don't we get to that? Why don't we get to the actual hockey stuff that I promised at the top of the podcast? Good idea? Yes, but I'm very excited for this <laughs> street hockey and ball hockey and Pacho channel. Hit the deck plus. <laughs> yeah. Coming never to a streaming service near you. Oh. We'll get on Apple TV and, and Smart TVs and Roku and Amazon Fire Stick. We'll get on all the big services. Cool. <sighs> all right, James, enough yeah. of this nonsense. Can you give us some actual news? Can you please tell us what is on deck for this podcast? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Cyber goalie. Mr. Scott Geiger is a goalie coach in the Adena Hockey Association, and he teamed up with some new tech to help his young players be great goaltenders. And the best rule in all of pro sports. Hey, American Rhino, get in there, man! Last week, David Ayers lived out every non-NHL goalie's dream by getting in net for a big club. In case you missed it, we have the amazing story to tell. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. All right. So, uh, to the actual news. All right, James, so let's, let's turn to the Edina Hockey Association. And that is in Minnesota. Yes, no, sir. It's, it's Canadian. Oh. That's not, that's not, that the A is Canadian. I mean, it's close, but it's not, uh, Minnesota, Mi Minnesota, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota, don't you know? Yeah, that's it. There we go. Uh, let's turn to Minnesota, don't you know? And so we, we go to Minnesota, which some of my family hails from. I am ancestrally Minnesotan, I guess. <laughs> it makes sense. It's the state of hockey. So yeah. And the state of hockey is strong, James. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, so basically, the, the, ay, ay, ay. all right, enough, enough. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this thing. I'm sorry. So this guy, uh, Scott Geiger, Scott Geiger is a coach in Minnesota for the Adina Hockey Association. Let's set that as our baseline for this story. So, um, you know, as as with many many coaches including but not limited to 
Mr. Glenn Cunningham, who we've spoken to many times on the podcast, they teach young people how to play and specifically goalies. So Scott Geiger is no different. Scott Geiger teaches his goalies, you know, the right way to play the game. And in his teachings, in the course of his education, he determined that they were overreacting to pucks that were near the crease. Now, I can sympathize with this because the poke check is a huge part of my game. Personally, I don't want those pucks anywhere near my crease, but it does sometimes if you're not able to get the stick and poke the puck the way you are attempting, if you have a skilled shooter that is able to say dangle around you, then you can leave yourself exposed for an easy goal in the five hole or in the corner or, you know, whatever. So soft goals, essentially. And Scott Geiger was concerned with this. So what he did was he went to the videotape, James, (laughs) and he decided to use data, hard data, metrics, fancy stats. He decided to show them and use something from Apex Video Service called the Upper Hand Save Review System in order to train them and teach them that this was actually hurting their game more than it was helping them. And that's what's so impressive to me. And uh, uh, this is right down your alley, American Rhino, between the goalie coaching and the technology, that they're just 14 and 15 year olds that uh, Coach Geiger is training. And still he's using all of the equipment that he can to teach them the right way and maybe even develop some future NHLers or Olympic uh, gold medalists or whatever the case is. So that's pretty impressive that he's not just treating them as little kids or teenagers and, uh, you know, you'll figure it out when you get older. He's going right at it, treating them as adults and, and learning the right way. And he's not shying away from technology. So that's what's so amazing that he's embraced this. And again, you know, we, we, we've said this before many times that Minnesota, at least in America, is the quote unquote state of hockey. And that just proves it right there. Yeah. And so he's got this, uh, I guess, mantra, this, you know, thing, this line that he tells his goalies in it. uh, To me, it sounds like something out of one of those sports movies like, uh, you know, remember the Titans or uh, or, uh, you know, the 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 what's the one with the basketball? The um, I don't know. I don't I don't watch inspirational basketball movies. Hoosiers. Sure. Yeah. Hoosiers. Yeah. (laughs) Or Hoosiers or or Miracle, you know, yeah, something yeah. something that a coach would tell the, the the players, you know, every practice. And then in the big game, when they're down at halftime or an intermission or something, and, a, you know, just to to hammer it home at that dramatic moment with the music behind it. He says that and and they finish it. It's like, a, you know, like a thing. What he says is nothing under nothing through. So I could just see him standing up there. All right, boys. Remember. Nothing under. Nothing through. <laughs> you know, and, and just it's it's uh yeah. That's I am a deeply disturbed person, James. I'm sorry. <laughs> but wait, before you beat yourself up, uh, just to to tie back in what we were saying about the miracle on ice, you were 100 percent right about uh, what Coach Brooks was saying. You know, player game, player game, and Mike Ruzioni, the captain basically said the same exact thing that you did when they were interviewing him while they were watching the the game versus the Russians. The host asked him, what did Coach Brooks say? And he said, well, he really didn't say much. He just kept saying, play your game, play your game, shift after shift. So there you go, man. You know what you're talking about. I mean, I watched the movie. It's not like I was in the locker room. But it's like like we said, you know, sometimes there is a difference between the drama of Hollywood and, and and the facts. 
but that indeed was the fact. And so tap the stick in your honor for getting it right. Yeah. Okay. I, again, I just watched the movie. It's not, you know, just you watch the movie. You can also be an expert. All right. But anyway, so if you want to be an expert on Scott Geiger, saddle up because this is how he does it. So during the games, during, during your, your bog standard hockey game, Geiger is over there on the bench. He's got an iPad and he uses it to chart every save goal, wide shot and puck handled by the goalies. And then after the game, during a post game video review, with the goalies, they add context. So what he can see from the bench, he logs on the iPad, and then they go shot by shot, possession by possession, along with the video. And the goalies are like, oh, yeah, okay. So during this play, it was a wrist shot. He was going around this way. And, I, you know, that this, the shot was over here. Oh, it was a backhander. He set it up. He was trying to go for that. And so they get all of this information, this data on how the shots and the plays unfold and they're able to add tags to these clips specific clips and create a playlist of video clips on the upper hand uh, you know platform the application so what they're able to do then subsequently is they're able to build like a database of when somebody does this thing they tend to do that so you can see how the puck is you know when you find yourself in that situation, you can kind of instinctively know the most likely way to successfully react. Absolutely. And that's what he finds the best tool to teach these youngsters is for them to see it. So as he was quoted in this article, and again, we're uh, getting an article from Mr. Joe Lemire. And uh, so what Coach Geiger was saying that, uh, you know, I could talk till I'm blue in the face and keep saying this, seeing that. But when the players see themselves right after the game, and that's what's so amazing about this upper hand technology, is that it's that instant. And then he says, you could see their faces, it clicks. And that's just so amazing uh, this day and age that uh, I guess we're kind of hardwired that way, where we're so used to watching YouTube and listening to podcasts and looking on Twitter and everything is instant, instant, instant. And we're looking and and we're getting bombarded all the time by uh, either video or audio or both. So he having the knowledge to see that and uh, experience that firsthand and understand that and then convey it to teach these kids is just absolutely remarkable. And I'm just curious to see how well these uh, youngsters progress and where they go from colleges to beyond, you know, NHL or Olympics or wherever else. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I mean, this isn't a brand new thing. This has been around for a little while. The save review system was uh, originally developed by Double Blue Sports Analytics, which is a startup in Maine. And when it debuted, it was originally called CoachCast. CoachCast, by the way, you can get as part of the basic Hit the Deck Plus package. But if you are a patron at the $10 a month level, you can get episodes of CoachCast a week in advance. Commercial free. <laughs> nice. I don't, I don't, I don't... If I keep talking about this, somebody's going to expect us to actually do it. Good. Unfortunately, that somebody is probably going to be me, and I'm never going to sleep again. No, you don't need sleep. No, I desperately need sleep, James. That's why I'm like this. But you're always editing and and and, and recording podcasts. I know. <sighs> 
Anyway, this... Uh, oh. Okay, so Scott Geiger is not the only one who has found value in this system. The Swedish Olympic team has used it, as well as a number of NHL goalies. Uh, ben Bishop of the Dallas Stars, uh, the Blues' Jake Allen. It's also been used by NHL.com for goalie analysis stories. It's, I mean, it's not super widespread at this point, but it's one of those things that's out there and could be, you know, I mean, it could wind up being nothing, but it could also be the cutting edge that in 10 years, everybody will be using. So you might want to have this on your radar. Yeah. And just one last thing too, is the CEO of Upper Hand, Mr. Kevin McCauley was just saying that the uh, biggest thing from the video platform is to bring it to the customer experience instantly. And we've said that in the past too, where there are other especially for hockey, for whatever reason. Again, it just seems to make sense because personally for me, I always thought that hockey was always on the cutting edge of technology in terms of having indoor ice facilities for so many years and, and skates and the goalie equipment and even the cameras and, and, and recording it. Uh, so it just seems that it goes hand in hand. And, and we've talked about the, the pucks themselves have information in them. They, they make them where they can gather information in them or they have little chips in the jerseys and you could see how the players are reacting and how they're uh, you know dealing with stress on the ice real time and it just really makes sense too so to to bring it to youngsters at such a young age you know 14 15 year olds and treat it like that uh, i think that's what uh, mr mccauley's goal was and uh, there are many more coaches i'd imagine like mr geiger and yes to have the credentials of huge great goalies of the dallas stars and the Defending uh, Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues really says a lot, too. So you know you're on the right page. Pretty impressive. Um, maybe we can deal with them in, uh, in the ball hockey arena, too. But something to look forward to if you're involved as a coach. Uh, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, if, if you're a, you know ice hockey coach or ball hockey coach or whatever the case is, they have their own website. and You can check it out yourself. So that is, of course, upper hand. And if you'd like, we could put links up for you to, to see for yourself. Incidentally, James, the reason why hockey is always on the cutting edge of technology is because the equipment manager diligently sharpens it after every game. <laughs> yeah, when, uh, many years ago when I first started looking into buying ice skates uh, and I was reading about how you have to have them sharpened in a certain way and, and all that and how it's actually each blade is two edges. It's not just one edge. It's kind of like a, yep. an upside down U. Really blew my mind. So I'm still trying to wrap my, my head around that and how these NHLers or any ice skaters do that and play hockey well is just beyond my capability of rationalization. Although I think goalie skates are actually often sharpened the reverse of that. They're sharpened more conventionally. Well, that makes sense. I could picture that. And and yes, and goalie skates are quite different than forward or, or defenseman skates. And how you're able to skate around on those things is beyond me, too. It's often beyond me as well, James. <laughs> I, I take no credit for skating ability on this show or anywhere else. So we'll stick to sneakers. Yeah, good call. <laughs> but hey, you know, if you find yourself... At, uh, you know, locally we're in New York, you find yourself at a Ranger game or, a, or an Islander game or a Devil game, and um, one team, the starting goalie gets hurt, the backup goalie gets hurt, well, what are you going to do? Maybe you can find yourself in the crease. 
I'm going to sit there in my uncomfortable seat and wonder what the team is going to do because I am in no way qualified to jump in and play in an NHL game. All right. Now, personally, this is probably the best rule in all of pro sports. And I reiterate that from what we said with the on deck. But that is just so incredible that uh, and, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll regale you with some great stories of the past as the American Rhino has in uh in hit the decks before but the fact that you have your starting goalie of course and you always have the backup goalie but very rarely yet it does happen you need an emergency backup goalie and uh so the nhl has such a cool rule about it i mean that they've they've changed it a little bit over the years but the fact that you're you could just be a fan in the stands and you know just put on the gear and Away you go. Well, I mean, I think it's a little more rigid than that. You have to be on a pre-approved list. So every NHL team has to maintain a list with the league of pre-approved local goalies that are eligible to jump in as an emergency backup. But they don't have to, like, be put on the team's roster or, you know, anything like that. They just have to be registered and presumably have to be in the arena and ready to play at a moment's notice, you know, so you have to be there with your gear. So this is something that I didn't realize, but I guess for any given game, there is always like a third emergency goalie that's sitting in the locker room or somewhere, you know, back in the arena. That's just kind of waiting there with his gear in a bag, waiting to dress and go out there if necessary. Yeah, and that even happens too. Well, let's say the starting goalie gets hurt and then the backup is in. Mm-hmm. Well, then just in case, you'll get that emergency backup goalie that will dress and sit on the bench. So maybe not necessarily will he see action, but whenever there's a starting goalie, if it's the obviously the starter or the backup goalie in net at any given time in the game, you have to have somebody, like you said, in gear ready to go sitting on the bench or or close by. So that has happened where somebody had to put on the emergency backup goalie gear, but didn't get in the game. But David Ayers, he got in the game, baby. Yeah, he was EA Sports all the way. He is in the game. (laughs) EA Sports is actually a sponsor at the basic level of Hit the Deck Plus. They, uh, if you if you subscribe at the basic seven ninety nine level, you will get commercials for for EA Sports. That I wouldn't mind. We got to pay for it somehow, James. Ex- yes, exactly. Be nice for somebody else to pay instead of you. But uh, anyhow, yeah, like Gary said, they they have a, each home team, and this is both regular season and in the playoffs. They have to have a list of non professional goaltenders. I'm not sure what they mean specifically by non professional. Uh, if that just means non NHL. Or if they have some sort of ice hockey experience in the minor leagues, I don't know. Because I, I think if you're professional, if you're paid, you know. Anyway, uh, but still, it's it's such such a great opportunity for somebody to live a dream. And uh, David Ayers did it. But it just gets a little stranger and a little more amazing. Is that the team, they were in Toronto. And it was the uh, Carolina Hurricanes versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, and David Ayers, as we mentioned in a very recent Hit the Deck, we mentioned the Toronto Marlies. They are the minor league affiliate of the Maple Leafs. David Ayers is their Zamboni driver. (laughs) 
You know, I thought we mentioned the Marlies on a recent episode of Hit the Deck, but I also thought it's possible that I'm a crazy person and I just was imagining it. No, you're not crazy. That's exactly right. Where we mentioned Ben Harper, the defenseman for the Marlies, is going to, in July, have a ball hockey tournament in his hometown of Niagara. I mean, it could also be both. So, you know, one one, one does not discount the other. But uh, yeah, no, okay, good, good. We did talk about him, yes, but we did not talk about the Zamboni driver for the Marlies. Would that we had, because that would be awesome, but really, unless you're going over Niagara Falls in a Zamboni, which I don't know if those things even float. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why, why we talk. Although, although, if I'm not mixing things up, we talked about, uh, no, no, I'm wrong. Shoot, I'm, we're a week apart. We're a week apart. We talked about the Marlies two weeks ago, and then last week we did the This Week in Gritty segment where we talked about Gritty on a Zamboni. So we were so close to tying it together, but so far. Ah. Well, either way, we invite you to listen if you haven't heard those past podcasts, dear listeners. Listen to all of them, just to be safe. Absolutely. (laughs) You only have four years worth of content. And if you're looking for a new place to listen to them, oh boy, have we got a promo for you a little later in the show. But that's a little later. For now, we're talking about David Ayers and specifically how he, the Zamboni driver, I will remind you, for the Toronto Marlies, wound up jumping into goal as an emergency goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, this is something that actually, not to bring it, you know, because again, it's not all about me, but not to bring it around too much. I read this and I was immediately reminded of a story that I talked about on the podcast once before about how we were in a tournament, James and I. And uh, I I was playing for the the group of guys that we played with at the time, and uh, we we brought two teams to that tournament. I was playing on one of them, and a completely different third team wound up needing a goalie, and I got tapped to play against the squad of guys from our group that I was not on the team of. So basically, there was an A squad and a B squad. Let's say I was on the A squad. And uh, I got tapped to play for this random third team against the B squad. And I actually wound up beating them. So (laughs) that was uh, that immediately was what I thought of when I saw this story about how David Ayers, the Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies team, who is the, you know, affiliate of the Toronto Maple Leafs and also somebody who jumps in goal sometimes as a practice goalie for the big club. So, you know, these are guys that he knows and he has played with, not the NHL level, but, you know, he he plays on the ice with them regularly or somewhat regularly. He had to jump into goal against them because the Carolina Hurricanes lost both of their goalies and he was the guy that was on the list for that night. So, you know, he, <laughs> he got put into that position to have to compete against the guys that he was close to and he shut him down. And absolutely, and, and we'll we'll talk about some of the names that he faced, too. <laughs> it wasn't just like some schlubby team. I mean, he, he faced some legitimate future Hall of Famers, current All-Stars. But that's just what's so amazing about it, too, is that credit to the Toronto fans as well, as they all gave him a standing ovation and cheered him. And it's a big game because... The Maple Leafs, even though they're in different divisions, the uh, Maple Leafs and the Hurricanes are are playing for a wild card spot 
And uh, currently at the recording of this podcast, they both have 74 points, so they're right in the thick of it. So that could go either way. But uh, just that was just so amazing by the Toronto fans. Really, uh, they, they deserve credit for being so classy and understanding and, and being the first ones to applaud such greatness and such a wonderful story and living vicariously through somebody that uh, any NHL fan would love to be in that situation. So that was just so nice to see. Yeah, and he, like, so I, I, I said he shut him down a few minutes ago. Technically, he came in and he gave up two goals in less than two minutes of each other. But fortunately, the Hurricanes had a large enough lead that they were able to absorb those two goals and still be winning going into the intermission. And also fortunately, more fortunately for everybody but Toronto, he was able to settle himself down during the intermission and he shut out Toronto for the entirety of the third period. Well, yeah, but the first shot he saw was against John Tavares. So obviously he scored. I mean, Tavares could beat anybody. It doesn't matter. That's nothing to be ashamed of. And yes, um, uh, Engvall got one past him as well. And then he made his first save against Austin Matthews. Ah, that scrub. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, are you kidding me? Come on. That would be my all-time dream ever if I were a goalie ever good enough to play goal. <laughs> if I could make a save against somebody, be the caliber of Austin Matthews is one of the great, great, great players of all time and of definitely of our time and such a young talent. Just absolutely remarkable. Save that puck. And so, you know, he, like I said, he settled himself down. Carolina scored a couple more goals and they won the game six to three. And again, just to to emphasize on how cool NHLers are, the defense had to step it up big time of Carolina and they did. And what uh, Ayers was quoted as saying too, was that uh, a teammate of his, (laughs) you know, because he was playing for the Carolina Hurricanes, Eric Hollis said, just have fun. We don't care if you let in 10 goals. And uh, Ayers said that was great to hear and it completely settled him down. And that's how he was able to go out in the third period and uh, do what he did. Yeah. And, and you know, credit to him because it, it's not easy what he did. It's incredibly difficult. And he handled himself very well. He actually became, now this is one of those fancy stats that people have to try a little bit hard to actually come up with. But he was the oldest NHL goaltender in history to get his first regular season win in his debut. Yeah, that's a mouthful, but that's pretty amazing. And I believe he's 42 years old. So um, on a Tuesday <laughs> under a full moon yeah, well. on a day that ends in what? Uh, I'm going to be 42 years old. So, uh, Mr. Ayers, that's just uh, incredible. Yeah, it's not like that he doesn't already have a dream job in driving the Zamboni, but then he gets to actually face incredible talent and have now an NHL victory under his belt as well. Yeah, and he can also now legitimately call himself NHL goalie David Ayers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the team had to sign him to a contract. He's an official statistic in the NHL record books. He's got a win, an NHL win. He he's he's there. I don't think this is like baseball. I don't think he qualifies for like a pension now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he got in there and he got it done. I'll tell you what, if I could get my own official jersey from the team itself instead of going to the NHL shop and buying one for myself, that would be more than enough payment 
again, as we said many, many times with goalies, they have their own specific equipment too because it's so personal. But that was funny to see also that I don't know if it confused the Toronto fans a little bit or even the players because he had his Marley's style blue and white mask and, and I believe his uh, leg pads too. But obviously he was in, in the Canes uh, away jersey and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, and also too, which is just so amazing about Mr. Ayer's story is that he needed a kidney transplant and his mother actually gave him her kidney. So when he, the uh, Hurricanes and the NHL decided to sell number 90 Ayers shirts because he is a legitimate NHLer, the cool thing about that is portions of the sales of those shirts will go to a kidney foundation too. So that's just a nice little added story. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for them. Doing the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah, the NHL needs, I don't know why, but the, the, they, they could use some good publicity. And especially this time of year, as we said, the Stanley Cup playoffs are looming. Um, you know, baseball season is just kicking up with spring training. So now's a good time to get their foothold in it and hopefully get a few more fans on board because it is such a wonderful sport and everybody yeah. should be enjoying it and watching it. And this is just one of the many stories that can just come out from a, an official rule. How awesome is that? that uh, somebody has a legitimate shot. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but, you know, if, if you come in prepared and you're ready to go, you can find yourself as the e-bug for an NHL team. Yep, absolutely. A great rule that's unique to hockey and something that is really fun and inspiring and, and absolutely awesome all around. And of course, something that they are considering changing for some reason. Why are you doing this NHL? Don't shoot yourself in the skate on this one. It's fine. Just let it go. Just let us have this. Seriously. There's nothing wrong with this. No, no. <sighs> Hopefully fired up again, James. Yeah, you know, I don't blame you. I, I hope that uh, if somebody from the NHL is listening, that nobody's she listening. Will, well, heed your advice. Okay. But, just one more thing, too, is that uh, we had a similar story that we covered back in HTD 41, where uh, Tampa Bay had an emergency goalie backup for it was uh, going into, I think it was New Year's Eve 2016, and uh, Jorge Alves lived that fantasy, too. So again, if you want to catch that, that was back in HTD 41. Nice. And yes, as I said, the NHL is considering changing this. They have a general manager's meeting that's coming up next week and they're i guess going to discuss among other things they're going to discuss this rule and whether or not it's fair because you know it's not like you're not a player you're not an nhl player and you're not a member of the players association so you're not in the union so why you know why should you be able to play this rando that that just because because goalie is hard that's why goal it's not i mean yeah, in, in baseball, you have like your emergency third backup catcher or an emergency pitcher or something. And yeah, that that's hard. And there is definitely, you know, a chance of injury. But with goalies, like there's a you could you could really if you don't know what you're doing, you could really get hurt, especially at the NHL level. Those pucks come at you fast. Those skates are flying around. You know, I mean, it's, it's if you if you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be, you can't just throw some fourth line defenseman in there and hope for the best. Like, I don't care if he's not a member of the players union. Don't it's, it's fine. It's not hurting anybody. It's it's benefiting everybody equally. So just leave it alone. Don't change it. Don't touch it. Don't blow the goodwill that you 
gotten yourself this week and and in previous years when these things don't squander this just enjoy it why do you have this is why we can't have nice things james (laughs) you're right and case in point we were just saying how the uh carolina hurricanes stepped up their defense and did so much to help out and that's for the offense too obviously it was a little bit of a different situation where they had a lead so they were able to uh, focus on the defense. But still, anytime that this has happened, and we've talked about it on the podcast in the past too, is that it's the same thing. These The other players pick up their game, especially the defensemen and the forwards too, that they protect their emergency backup goalie. And you're right. It's somebody who knows what he or she is doing. It's not just some guy, hey, you, <laughs> you want to play goal tonight? Here. It's these guys that, that know how to play the position. And it is, you're, that's an excellent point that, you know, speaking for myself, if God forbid the American Rhino gets hurt, I'm playing defense. I can't get in goal. It's just not going to happen. And I, not look, happen. I, this isn't a vanity exercise. I don't think some goalies should be playing, you know, defenseman or forward. If one of them goes down either, like I, I just, you know, there's a reason why these positions are specialized. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the parts of the rules that you do have to have a goaltender, as it says, non-professional, but the home team has to supply that. I'm curious if <laughs> if the very, very, very rare case, if that uh, they needed two. Emergency two, yeah, I was wondering about that, that myself. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see if that happens. But yes, please listen to the American Rhino and leave the rule the way it is because it's so special and something that just adds to the allure of the NHL. Uh, James, I think in the event that that happens, that they need two, you uh, you turn to everybody look under your seats. The fan in section 428, row six, seat 12. You're in net for the third period. <laughs> <laughs> you're our Coors Light goalie of the game. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I really, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It's something that we should probably research, but I won't because I'm lazy. Me too. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Here's the shoddy research. Here's to sloth. We need an emergency backup research guy. Actually, I, I think we should subscribe to Hit the Deck Plus. I think there is a documentary about that from 1996 that explains how that works. Nice. Okay. In the archives. Um, okay. Uh, I'm... <laughs> oh, I'm about to give myself an aneurysm, so what else do we have to cover here, James? Is there anything else that we have to talk about with this topic? Uh, no, I think we, we've got it all down. And uh, yeah, maybe if it came to it that they'd look to the mascots to <laughs> get in it if, had, if they had to. That's an idea. That is definitely an idea, James. And speaking of mascots, thank you for that very, very natural and unplanned segue. I appreciate that. Speaking of mascots, uh, I, I, I know, I know you wait for this every week with bated breath in the hopes that it will manifest. And lo, your faith has been rewarded because it is time once again for another rousing episode of this week. In Gritty. This week. In Gritty. Cheers, James. So, Gritty. I love that intro. Yeah, me too. So, Gritty 
Gritty, gritty, gritty. Actually, there's a couple of gritty things this week. Just two. Two being a couple. Uh, three's a crowd. Two is a couple. So I'm rambling. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's uh, So the first thing that I want to talk about here, it's, it's, it's gritty related, but it's not even really about gritty. Gritty is kind of the gateway topic for this. I will explain. So gritty injected himself into a larger controversy this week in the Philadelphia area. James, I don't know if you heard about this, but the Philadelphia Phillies unveiled at spring training a brand new design for the Philly fanatic. What? Yes. Yes. He's, he's been tweaked and uh, he, he has a smaller snout. He's got uh, a, a blue tail. He's got some weird colored furry stuff around his eyes. There are some other more minor changes, a lighter color, some his hands aren't as furry. He's got scales in his under his arms for some reason. I don't whatever. I don't know. Not important. The salient thing here is that the Phillies fans are very, very much against this, except for one very prominent Philly fan, namely one Gritwald, um, he he has decided to inject himself in in this controversy, and uh, he's gone on Twitter, and he he's got like the same weird colored fur around his eyes, like a, a headpiece around his eyes that he's wearing as a mask, and he's holding up signs uh, saying something like, uh, "If you talk jazz about my boy." We've got a problem or something like that. He stands with the fanatic and like, I don't. So setting gritty aside because (laughs) why setting, setting him aside. I assume it's just like big Philly sports franchise supporting other big Philly sports franchise that, that that's fine. That's politics. That's, you know, just whatever. I don't care about that. The big controversy here, the big controversy is not just because they changed the look of the fanatic. It's why they changed the look of fanatic. So I did a little bit of research here. And so there is a law on the books. Let me set this up a little bit. So in the mid seventies is when the Phillies introduced the fanatic and he was created by a couple of guys whose names I did not bother to write down. So he was created by those two and in 1984, the Phillies bought outright the license to the Philly Fanatic, so they own his likeness. However, these two guys have been consulting with the Phillies, and over the years, when the Phillies wanted to make minor changes, change the uniform, change the look slightly, they've done the designs for that. They've overseen it. They've given them the new designs and, and the new direction. There is, however, a law, which I just mentioned and will now enumerate on, a law on the books in the U.S. that says that after 35 years, the creators, the initial creators of an intellectual property have a right to renegotiate the terms of its sale if the, the company that bought it is still using it. So two years ago, these guys decided, OK, our 35 years is coming due in mid 2020. So in 2018, they submitted to the Phillies their intention to renegotiate the contract or else, you know, pull their, I guess, uh, 
I don't, actually, I don't know legally how, what their, you know, recourse is, but pull their, their support for the Philly fanatic. I don't know if that means that the Phillies couldn't use him at all, or if there was some other restriction, I, I'm not sure exactly legally how that works, but basically they said, we want a few more million out of you guys for this guy, because, you know, you've been using him for all these years and we made him even though you bought him, we're allowed to do this. So we're doing it. So if you still want to use him, then we need to renegotiate this thing. And so the Phillies basically stonewalled them for the last couple of years. And they're like, okay, midseason, we're out. And so is the fanatic. And this seems to be an attempt by the Phillies to, I guess, change him in such a way that he is no longer considered their intellectual property. The Phillies have taken the stance publicly that uh, even though this law exists, that the original creators should be able to renegotiate, they don't think that they should be able to, basically because they don't want to. The Phillies say, yeah, but he's become such an iconic part of our organization, so closely intertwined with what the Phillies are as an organization, we don't think this rule should apply to us. Now, you can call this a naked cash grab by these two guys, and, you know, that's fine. I'm not going to try and debate you on that point. But the fact of the matter is that the law is the law, and this is the law that they are allowed to do this. And the Phillies, nor anyone else, should be above the law just because they think it shouldn't apply to them. Yeah, and obviously one of the things that I have no faith in law as I understand it, is there's always a loophole. So that just sounds like a really horrible loophole that if you just change something here or there, it's not considered what the product is, even though it clearly still is. And that could go with anything where uh, like plagiarism or something, you just change a few words and you could say that I wrote that for whatever reason, or even music, you change a note here or there. It's very similar and it sounds the same, but technically it's a different song. I don't get it. I think it's silly. Uh, that's petty. I, I'm going to take the, uh, again, I mean, I have no, I don't Dog care about this fight. Yeah. Obviously. You've got no I, fur in the game. Uh, no, no. I'm not a fan of the Phillies or the Flyers, even though the whole Dykstra thing, but we could get into that into another mm. podcast, but uh, for the baseball with the Mets and the Phillies. But obviously I'm going to take the side of the creators because I'm sure that they got beaten up and ripped off over the years. I think that's an awful great number, though, 35, 35 years. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so if anything, if I were the Phillies, and ugh, I'm glad I'm not, but at least give like season tickets or, or some sort of uh, huge bonus to the creators that I'm sure they're Philly fanatics themselves, that if you don't want to come up with the millions of dollars, come up with something that's easy for their wallet. And something that could make the fans very, very happy, like, you know, free season tickets behind the dugout and free parking or food. That's a drop in the bucket for the Phillies themselves and for Major League Baseball. But for those guys, it's like they're big shots now that that's any fan's dream, you know? So I don't know. Not free beer, although... Or they, they might as well just give them the millions. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> Probably amounts to the same thing. Yeah, because three beers at a Major League Baseball game, <laughs> you could probably buy a Lamborghini for that money. But uh, so so I, I, I don't know what they've tried to do, negotiate behind the scenes, if, if anything. 
and I don't know legally where these changes put them in, as an organization. It's just, it's something that I felt was worth mentioning uh, specifically because Gritty interjected himself into it, but also because it's just weird and icky and I don't know, but I don't need to talk about that anymore. There is actually one other piece of Gritty related news and it's a, it, it it's good news for a change. It's actually great news, James. And do you remember? Well, I know you remember, but dear listener, if you listened to our Thanks Gritting scrimmage where we did our special This Year in Gritty this past year, you might recall a story wherein Gritty befriended a four-year-old boy named Jack who uh, had his birthday party with Gritty. It was his greatest, fondest wish. And Jack was at a hospital undergoing cancer treatment. It's, uh, it was a sad thing. It was great that Gritty was able to come in and brighten his day for that day. And uh, it was a heartwarming thing. This is even more heartwarming, James, because I am overjoyed to report that young Jack is now cancer-free. Oh, God bless. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. And he recently took in a Flyers game in a luxury box with his hero in full uh, cosplay. Awesome. That's very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So our best to Jack. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting choked up as, as yeah. uh, again, as a parent, it's, it's just something I can't, I can't begin to imagine the nightmare that that was not only for the child, but for the parents to have to see your child go through that. So the fact that, you know, I mean, you're never entirely out of the woods with cancer, but mm. to know that that hardship, that hurdle has been bested. I got to, to know that he's gotten over that terrible thing that's that's just you know it it warms my heart and it's it's wonderful so i wanted to leave you on that and i hope you if nothing else have found that piece of information a worthwhile reason to have another segment of this week in gritty this week in gritty and that is going to do it for this episode of hit the deck so I think it's long past time that I hit that button. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Push the button, Mac. So, okay. <laughs> we here at the end of the podcast, we would, as always, like to thank bro Anthony Sajazi for providing us with music. We want to thank you, dear listener, for your support each and every week. We would encourage you, if you have not already done so, to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you see fit. We are... All the places, just about. We're not on Pandora as yet because we don't have that kind of stroke. We're just about everywhere else. And uh, one new place that you can find us, James, drum roll, please. All right, that'll do. One, (laughs) One new place, brand new place that we are very, very proud to be a, uh, I don't know if you'd call us partners, Because it's not, you know, we're not really partners, but to be a content partner. Yeah, let's call it that. One brand new place that we are proud to announce that we are a content partner of is the Sokoa Media app. James, I know you recall that we discussed the Sokoa Media app a few months ago here on Hit the Deck. And we have actually 
in secret been uploading our podcasts new and old to that app over the last couple of months and we we can now announce here officially on the pod that it is out of beta it has gone live you can download it you can go to the app store and download the Sokoa media app s-o-c-c-o-a media app and uh you'll find hit the deck there and you will also find a number of other great podcasts and sports articles news items and uh you know there's there's a lot of great stuff for the sports fan you don't have to be a hockey fan but it helps there's baseball there's wrestling there's college sports there's ball hockey Mm -hmm. hockey and sneakers as it were uh there's a ton of stuff so go there check it out check out all the great content and you know check us out in all the other standard places that we normally are because we're also still there and also Please, if you want to get to us, if you if you want to get to us, uh, should I be looking over my shoulder? Oh my! If if you want to contact us, if you want to, if you want all the details about Hit the Deck Plus and what can you, when you can expect that to roll out, you can uh, reach us. We are Hit the Deck. Deck is spelled D E K. Hit the Deck at gmail.com. and of course on Twitter. We are Hit the Deck Pod. We are at Hit the Deck on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, we are not on Hit the Deck Plus because that service does not exist. <laughs> James, oh, is there anything, anything else that you would care to add here at the end of the show? Yes, thank you, sir. Cool. Please check out the Columbus Deck Hockey Association, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, the Raleigh Street Hockey League, the VAR Hockey League, the DCSH, the DCHL and Deck Superstars, and please donate to LaGrange Hockey and follow M Powerplay, and if you do any of that, please let them know that you heard about them through Hit the Deck, and of course, obviously, the Sokoa Media app. Definitely check that out as well. Thank you, American Rhino, for that exciting announcement, and thank you for listening. Thank you, James, and dear listener, we would, of course, like to thank you to always remember, as we do each and every week here on the podcast, that... Whether you are making an app that can help young goalies or making up a service out of whole cloth, whether you are bringing in a feel-good player in an emergency situation or bringing in really unnecessary changes purely out of greed, regardless of what you find yourself doing, we would always encourage you to remember, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's not, you know, I it is what it is. I guess, it's not yes, like, yes, yes. okay. I don't want it to sound like I'm being dismissive. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, My daughter's sick. Who cares? Suffering. <laughs> Just another day, you know. <laughs> she could walk it off.